0: Lord, our God, you are awesome and great, and we celebrate you. What a Savior, Christ. We pray, Father, that our worship today will bring adoration to you and glory to you and joy to you and inspire us to be people who are joyful. And we ask this through Christ Jesus. Amen such a great privilege to come together and worship and uh, to connect with each other. Take a few minutes to say hello to the people around you. Maybe introduce yourself to someone you don't know as we come together as... uh As we gather for worship, uh, there are just a couple things I want to highlight in, uh, in the bulletin. Tonight, small groups meet. Uh, if you're not a part of a group and you'd like to be, just uh, contact uh, Talk to me after the service or Pastor Kevin or any of the pastors, and we will help you get connected to a group. Corinthia, 7 o'clock in Wesley Chapel, time of praise and worship uh, together. We're putting together this, uh, during this series of the Fruit of the Spirit, Every week we are connecting a literal fruit to the fruit that Paul writes about in Galatians that comes out of the Spirit in us. And we're doing this as a means of just helping us connect, remember. And as a part of that, one tool we're using is putting together just a little recipe book that may help us connect for the long term. And I would suspect that Many of you have a recipe about something of the fruit that we're going to be talking about. If you're not sure what they are, they're, list, they're all represented up here on this little stump, and there's a, there are sign-up sheets in the back that list those. We would love to fill this book with your ideas and your recipes. So you don't have it with you, I'm sure, today, but um, you might know the idea about it. You can jot it down, and there's a limited number that we're going to take. After the service, just stop at the table, or you can... You, over the next few weeks, we'll be gathering those, so we'd love to have you be a part of that. There are always things for us to pray about, stuff related to us right here, things in our lives, in our community, in the wider community, as well as things around the world. We continue to pray for those who are grieving from uh, various terrorist attacks and uh, the recent earthquake in Pakistan and the devastation of that. And uh, it seems like every day, there are there are more and more things that are coming up, and Pain and hurt and agony, and we want to uh, bring each of those before our Father. One of the, the one of the great joys of being a body of believers is that we serve each other and we serve the world. And uh, many of you are involved in ministry, either in the church or through the church to uh, other in other places. And we we like to take a few moments near the end of September every year to uh, pray for everyone who's involved in ministry, and it's a wide range of things, and you may be sitting there thinking, I'm not sure I do this, but I'm not sure if that counts. It counts. Uh, it's, it's something you're doing for the kingdom, and we want to ask you to stand. You may be Sunday mornings, you may do this. You may be Sunday night, Wednesday night, something during the week. Maybe you lead a group or help with a group or help with some kind of class or you're on a, a planning group of some kind. We want to pray for you. So, if you're any part of a ministry that's connected to the church, please stand and we want to offer prayer for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for every person who is standing here today. We know that you are pleased with their willingness to serve you. Some of the, uh, some of our ministries are very visible and some are completely behind the scenes, but they're all important to you, to us, to your kingdom. We pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will come and rest upon every person in the ministries that that they do for you and for your people. We pray that you would give blessing and grace to every one of them. Help us to see fruit from our service and fill us with joy as we serve. And may that joy be contagious to this congregation and to all those we serve. We pray that you be glorified in our lives, in our ministry, and as we work together, may we bring closer, may we bring more fully your purposes for your kingdom in this world as it is in heaven. Let your anointing rest upon every person serving. And we ask this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. I'm going to ask the ushers to come and assist us as we give back to God from the ways in which He's blessed us. you. Mm-hmm. calls us to bring before him our burdens, our concerns, our praise. As we uh, take a few moments to pray together, if you'd like to come and use the altar rail as your place of prayer, please join me. Father, we all wrestle with stuff in our lives. Anxiety weighs on us. Peace feels so elusive. Hope feels out of reach. Sometimes it's it's busyness, the pressure of expectations. Sometimes we forget about each other. We forget that our lives are intertwined with each other and that you create us for unity and love and compassion. Father, this morning, open our eyes to your grace in our lives. Help us to lay before you those burdens that weigh us down and make us anxious, that frighten us, Help us to lay before you the sins with which we're struggling and to hear your words of forgiveness. Help us to have a a renewed passion for each other, to care for each other and and to connect with each other and to love each other. We pray, Father, for those among us who are really struggling right now with grief, And with pain. People who need comfort and healing. And your mercy in their lives. People who are uncertain about the future. Father we pray that you will bond us together. In your grace and love. And that you will comfort and heal each of us. Heavenly Father, we pray for our world that is a sea of hurt, famine, poverty, slavery, abuse, terrorism, greed. We pray that you would bring healing to our world and that you would give us a passion to be channels of peace and truth and justice and love. We pray for all who are are dealing with the terrorist attack in Nairobi and the terrorist attack on the church in Pakistan. We pray for those who are trying to to dig out of the earthquake in Pakistan, for the places of the world where there is violence and disasters and refugee camps and just so much pain. Father, we pray for your grace to be evident. We pray, Father, for... Our own government, as the leaders of our government struggle with making decisions about the future, and and, and we sense such uh, such difficulty and partisan politics and grasping for power. And we pray, Father, that you will help the leaders of our nation to think more about the people who are most vulnerable and most needy rather than those who are most powerful. Father, we want to thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for your love and grace that reaches down into our lives. Give us confidence that you, the Almighty God, can do anything and that you are loving Father works in ways that are always good. Father, let us live our lives open to you so that our natural default is humble obedience and transparent worship. We pray all of this because of Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our returning King. Amen.
1: Would you stand with me as we read from John chapter 16. Some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father... They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. And that day you will no longer ask me anything. I will tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete.
2: you. <laughs>
0: be seated. So as I mentioned, we are trying to connect literal fruit with the fruit of the Spirit so that as you go about your life this week and in the weeks to come, you will you, you will look at a, a fruit, and it will trigger in your mind maybe some of the things we've talked about here, some of the things that God has said to you. And so, we, so last week, if you were here, we talked about love, and we used a strawberry. And strawberries, you know, sometimes are associated with um, Valentine's Day. And, and, uh, and so we want to make that connection. Maybe this week, if you saw a strawberry, it connected for you. This, it's funny, this, I had a couple people say to me this week, we've been talking around our table trying to figure out what's the fruit that's going to be connected with joy. I said, uh, they told me their guesses, they were all wrong. Um, and so as you can see this morning, the fruit that connected, we've connected with joy is watermelon. Now, you might be scratching your head going, what is that about? Well, here's why we chose that. We, don't, we eat watermelon different from any other fruit. And when I think of watermelon, I think of a picnic. I think of a family gathering, which hopefully is a positive experience for you, not a negative one. Um, and and it's everybody getting together, and, and you eat watermelon differently than you eat any other kind of fruit. And you think back, even for a moment, of when you are with some people, you're out on a picnic, and you're eating watermelon, there is just something about it. It's, it's hard to eat watermelon, I think, the way it was intended to be eaten, inside. You know, it's one of those things you need to eat outside. You can spit the seeds out and all that kind of fun stuff. And there's something about the way children eat watermelon that I find especially interesting. And maybe these pictures will trigger some thoughts for you. Now, when you look at those pictures, do you, does that make you think about God? Does it make you think about the kingdom of heaven? Does it make you think about the church? I suspect not. But something in me wants to say it should. Because Jesus says, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, you need to come to me like a little child. And children are all about fun. They're all about joy. They're all about laughter. And the only reason children, most of the time, I should put it this way, most of the time, the reason children no longer laugh and no longer have fun, quite frankly, is because we squash it. As we get older, we look at children and we're saying, stop, no, don't do that. And there's a place for that, without a doubt. But There is something about the way we treat children that we don't want to we don't want to let them be children and and let them laugh and have fun and play. And we get to the point where we think we're beyond that, we're we're outside of that. And Jesus keeps telling us, You're wrong. That's the way you come to me like a little child, with this sense of inquisitiveness and play and laughter. That's the kingdom. And Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit, if the, if the Spirit of God is in your life, if you're walking in the Spirit, if, if God is controlling your life through the Spirit, then the fruit that comes out of you is not just love, but it's joy. Joy has been God's plan for His people from the beginning. Right from the beginning, God's desire, his design for his creatures, has been for us to experience joy. In the Old Testament, God says in Deuteronomy 16 to the Israelites, I want you to come together and I want you to, ha- I want you to celebrate this great feast because I want your joy to be complete. I want it to be full. Not just a little bit of joy, big joy. Jesus picks up this theme, and it's amazing to me, it's in the last few hours of his, his life on earth, before he goes to the cross, Jesus is talking about joy. And he says, I told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete, full, total. That it would just absorb every part of your being. And he says, I'm coming to you now and I say these things to you while I'm still in the world so that you may have, he's praying this, so that they, my disciples, may have the full measure of your joy. And Paul just sort of summarizes the whole thing into the, to the Thessalonians and he says, always be joyful. God created us to be joyful, to experience joy. The great, the catechism of the church. Most catechisms of the church, the first question in this question-answer learning style is, why were we created? Why did God create people? And the answer is to worship Him and enjoy Him forever. Joy. Right at the heart of it. Unfortunately, the church, Christians, we don't always have a reputation of joy. Joy. Unfortunately, we have this sense that the witness of the Spirit, holiness, being good, is some sort of uh, somber prudishness instead of joy. And quite frankly, clergy are probably a lot of the problem. We create this atmosphere. Uh, Years ago, I saw this cartoon of this man sitting in the subway And a woman says to him, or talks to him, and he says, No, ma'am, I'm not a preacher. I've just been sick for a few days. We give this vibe of somberness. Now, I am not a, I'm not someone who has watched The Simpsons very much. Hardly at all. I've seen snippets of episodes. How many of you have watched The Simpsons? You can say it. It's okay. You can admit it. All right, we got a few hands. All right. I I read about uh, this episode of The Simpsons that I just thought was hilarious. Uh, I I really, I tried to find this episode and to watch it. I wasn't able to, but it it's about Ned Flanders, the Christian neighbor of The Simpsons, and his wife Maud dies, and in her honor, he creates this Christian amusement park called Praise Land. Some of you may remember this episode. And, and in this park, he creates all these different things that you can do there. One game is whack-a-Satan. You know, it's like whack-a-mole where Satan's little head keeps popping up and you're smacking it, smacking it with a the mallet. There's uh, King David's uh, wild ride where you go into this spook house and children are forced to listen to all 150 psalms recited to them. Uh, there is this uh, Tower of Babel slide that you go down. Uh, there's a rock and ark. There's a tithing pond, which I found interesting. And in the middle of the whole thing is this statue of Maud, And underneath it, there is this plaque that says, she taught us the joy of shame and the shame of joy. And when I heard that, I thought, good grief. That's probably more true than not. We have this image that we portray to the world that we're all about guilt and shame and we're all about all the bad things people do and we're all about what's negative. When we read the scriptures, we keep hearing God say, but I created you for joy. I created you to be people who celebrate me, who celebrate life, who exude joy. So why don't we? What's the problem? What are we missing? Why are we not doing that? And I know we take life seriously. We take our faith seriously. And that's good. We need to. But we've almost come to the place where, where we see serious faith and joy as mutually exclusive. And there's a big difference between being serious about our faith and being somber. When I look at Jesus... And I read the stories of Jesus, and particularly the stories about children in Jesus. And and I see, we read these stories where it says little children were coming to Jesus. It's the disciples, the adults, who are kicking the children out. And Jesus says, stop it. I mean, he is emphatic and he is irritated with them. And he says, let the little children come to me. Now, when I read that, I think to myself, there is something magnetic and attractive about Jesus that little children want to come to him in the first place. You remember what it's like to be a little child. Did you want to hang around the grumpy old neighbor? Or the guy next door who was happy and joyous and maybe gave you some candy every so often? I mean, we want to hang, children want to hang around people who are happy, who are joyous, not around people who are mean and nasty. And something in the personality of Jesus, who's very serious about following God, attracts children to him. There is a joy in the nature and the character of Jesus that we so often miss. And I keep coming back to the question, why? Why do we miss it? Part of it's because we, we get nervous about how we define joy. We live in a world, in a culture, in which joy is all about me. Getting what I want. I, I, I would encourage you today or in the next few days, if you watch sports, you probably will especially see this. So if you're watching football this afternoon, you will see it over and over again. Analyze the advertisements that come on. And everything is about if you do this, drink this, wear this, you will find joy. If you buy this vehicle, your life will be filled with joy. If you drink this particular soda, your life will be filled with joy. If, if you wear these clothes, your life will be filled with joy. If you use this deodorant, your life will be filled with joy. <laughs> right? I mean, everything is about Getting for us. Even as a nation, you know, it's founded on the principle, these unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's all about us. And we keep going after stuff that falls apart and fails and is fleeting for a moment, and then we're right back to where we were, and joy gets a bad name. And we're trying to avoid that kind of stuff, and rightly so. But somewhere in the mix, we've missed it, and we've thrown out everything of joy in order to not give that impression, and we're wrong because God's all about us being people of joy. And what is it that separates the joy that's out there with the joy of God? the joy of the spirit in our lives i think in a nutshell it comes down to this the joy of culture is about what i get fulfilling my desires the joy of god is about what we can do for him and other people it's always other directed you see if you if you live your life seeking joy you will be terribly disappointed Because you'll spend your life looking for things, trying things that have no real intrinsic value to them. But if you spend your life seeking God, if you spend your life walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, you find joy. It comes out of us. It lives in us. It grows in us. It becomes part of us. The hard part is that the joy of God is not always connected to the kinds of circumstances we want it to. More often than not, the joy that God talks about is not the moments when life is exactly how we would want it to be. It's not about the moments when we've gotten everything lined up exactly where it should be and we can take a deep breath and say, okay, now I figured it out. Everything is right. Everything is perfect. Everything is good. So now I can be joyful. We all know, first of all, I'm not sure we ever get to that point. And second, the moment we think we're at that point, bam, something changes. The joy of God is Is about his spirit with us when life is hard. When life is difficult. When we're struggling. That's the hard part about the joy that God brings into our lives. We want it to be joy when life is perfect and God says, I've got deeper plans for you. I've got more for you than that because life, first of all, isn't that way. What I'm saying to you is even when life isn't perfect, there is this underlying current of joy. Because it's not based on anything we possess. It's not based on any stuff that we get or claim. It's based on God with us. The almighty God. The inconquerable God. The sacrificial God. God. This joy that in our lives, this joy that God promises, comes from the one who has conquered everything. He's conquered death and hell and every obstacle. This is from the one who, who loves us so much, he becomes one of us and lives here and goes through all the stuff that we go through and goes to the cross for us and then is victorious. Promises to come back for us. It is a joy rooted in the one who has won, who will always win. And about that, we have no doubt. Everything else is fleeting, everything else is going to disappear except Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that life's always going to be easy. Sometimes life is going to be very, very difficult. And this is not denial of reality. This is not running from the problems that we may face. This is not saying, boy, uh, if I just get out of this problem, then everything's going to be great. That's not what we're talking about. In fact, I'm convinced nobody should be more honest about the reality of life than Christians. We don't have to live in fear that this is going to overwhelm us. We have Jesus. We don't have to run from problems because we worship the one who's greater than our problems. We don't have to be afraid, anxious. God is bigger, He's greater and His joy is not limited by our circumstances. And so James can even write... Count it all joy when you face difficulties. Because God is with you. I think there's an even deeper level of joy that God desires us to experience. It's it's a joy that's not just about our struggles, but it's the kind of joy that comes to us when we are struggling. And other people are being blessed. I wonder if that's not the most difficult joy, difficult kind of joy that we wrestle with. It's one thing for us to go through bad things, and other people are going through bad things too, and we kind of commiserate with each other. But when we're going through struggles, and we're finding it difficult to to maintain, and we look over at people, particularly people that we don't really think are worthy of those blessings, at least not as much as we are, And they're being blessed. Boy, it is so hard to maintain a spirit of joy. Maybe that's why Paul says that the works of the sinful nature, right before he talks about the fruit of the spirit, he talks about the works of the sinful nature. And he mentions in that list, envy and jealousy. Envy and jealousy eat away at our joy. Because the minute envy and jealousy get into our hearts, we're no longer thinking about God. We're thinking about stuff. We're thinking about life and circumstances and what other people are getting and what we're not. And it destroys our joy. And it's the most human thing in the world to think that way. We all wrestle with it. You know, We all struggle with with other people being blessed when we're struggling. And especially when we look at them and we think, they don't do as much for God as I do. They don't even think about God like I do. Why are they blessed and not me? And we start wanting, the human nature is, we want them to be to be, find life difficult as much as we want our situation to change. It's like someone was saying to me recently, you know, in, if you follow a particular team, most sports teams have rivals. You know, uh, if you're the Yankees fan, it's the Red Sox. And, uh, you know, teams have rivals. The Bills, it's the Patriots. Sometimes we're more interested, we feel happier when our rival loses than when we win. Right, because our hearts are much more in tune to envy and jealousy than joy that's what fascinates me about John the Baptist you know John is famous John is the guy in Israel when he comes onto the scene people are flocking to him and it's awesome He's baptizing people all over the place. And the lines are are so long to get to John. You can't wait to go see John. Everybody's going out to the Jordan River to see John. And, And he's thinking, man, this is awesome. And then along comes Jesus. And all of a sudden, people are following Jesus instead of John. And John's disciples start getting a little bit irritated about it. Hey. What's going on here? In fact, some of John's disciples become Jesus' disciples. And what is John's response? John says, the bridegroom is the one who's important at the wedding. And he said, I'm just the best man. This wedding's not about me, it's about him and his bride. I am just here to celebrate his joy. There is something in that perspective that brings a depth of joy that can only come from the Spirit in us. And when you, have, when you live with that kind of joy, life takes on a whole new dimension. The things that come at us, the blessings other people get, now we celebrate those instead of being envious and jealous of those. And it frees us. It frees us from this slavery and the bondage of our jealousy and our envy to celebrate joy. It's God's intent. And all of this joy that God wants for us, all of this that we're trying to experience as as his children, the, the joy that we want in our lives is rooted in one thing. It's rooted in God's joy of us. Just like with love, that we're able to love only when we begin to realize that God loves us, so with joy, we become people of joy only when we begin to realize how, how much joy God feels for you and me. I think it's one of the most difficult things in the world to accept that. I think it's almost harder to accept that God looks at us and is joyful than to, that God looks at us and loves us. We talk about God loving us all the time. I'm not sure we truly grasp how much joy God feels about you and me, every one of us. And not because we're good, but simply because we're His creatures, we're His children. We're important to him. He created us. He looks at us and he rejoices over us and he celebrates us. He celebrates our existence and every time we obey him it just raises the level of joy but nevertheless he celebrates over us. We bring joy to God by who we are. I can tell you Personally, I find it hard to grasp that. When I'm struggling with sin, when I'm struggling with the stuff in my life, the last thing I'm going to believe is that God looks at me and feels joy. I tend to think God looks at me and feels disgusted. Maybe you feel the same way. So what intrigues me about Luke 15 when Jesus tells the parable about the woman who has 10 coins and loses one and she searches the whole house and when she finds it she goes to her neighbors and says this is awesome, what's lost is found come, let's throw, I'm throwing a party. And they celebrate. And about the, the shepherd who loses a sheep and he goes out and he searches all over the place for him and when he finds him he brings him back and he goes to the neighbors and he says, I found the sheep that was lost let's celebrate, I'm throwing a party. And the son who rejects his father and goes off and gets lost. And he eventually comes back and his father runs to him and celebrates and goes and gets the neighbors and says, we're throwing a party. And you know what intrigues me about those stories? In none of the stories, the woman, the shepherd, the father, none of them are irritated about what was lost. They just celebrate what's found. The only person in the stories who's irritated is the elder brother who is envious and jealous. God celebrates us. He rejoices over us. We bring joy to Him. This week I read a story about a, a man who took his three-year-old daughter trick-or-treating for the first time. It was one of those autumn nights, cold, rainy. It was pouring down rain. He debated whether to go or not, but she was excited and it was her first time. And All right, so he he got her into the car and you know put her in the car seat and went through all that whole uh, ritual of getting her snapped in and fastened down and all the while you know, it was pouring down rain he runs around to the car and he gets into the car and instead of walking of course because of the rain he decides to drive so he drives to the first house and he's Sitting in this the pat, in the front seat and he's got this umbrella in his hand and you know that how hey, you try to open the door and you try to then open the umbrella without it opening in the car and yet not you're not getting soaked and that whole thing and he gets it out and he runs around in the car and he's trying to hold the umbrella in his arm like this while he gets her out of the car seat and then he's holding her and the umbrella and her little, you know, pumpkin for her candy and he finally gets her, makes his way up to the door, and they ring the doorbell, and the person opens the door, oh, you know, all excited, and, and she all smiles and gives her the candy, and now they go back, and they have to reverse the ritual. And she, he takes her to the car, and he, and he puts her back into the car seat and locks her in, trying to hold the umbrella, and runs back around, and now he's trying to get the umbrella into the car without soaking himself in the process, and he gets in, he sits there, and he is just drenched. And he's thinking about stopping. But he looks in the back seat and she's having fun. So he's, all right. So he drives to the next house and he goes through the whole thing again. And he runs around the car and he opens up the door where she's sitting and he reaches in to unlatch her. And all of a sudden, it dawns on her what's happening. And her eyes get about this big and the smile just absorbs her whole face. And she says to him, We get to do it again? (laughs) And he said, you know, in that moment, I didn't care that I was soaking wet or cold. I, I was just flooded with joy at the joy of my little girl. And Jesus said... if you who are evil desire to bring joy to your children, how much more? How much more your Father in heaven? Father, thank you for the joy you want to put in our lives. We wrestle to believe it. We wrestle to live it. Somehow today, turn on a switch for us. Something new. For us to experience your joy. To be people of joy. Pray this through Christ. Amen. I'm going to give you some opportunities again today to to respond to whatever God may be saying to you. At the end of each row, inside and outside, there are little cards again, and these say joy, and have a little picture of a watermelon. I want to make sure everyone gets one of these cards. Just pass them down the rows. And this week, actually today, write something on this card. You may want to write something on this card about how God rejoices over you. Maybe there's something in your mind that that causes you to, to need to write down, this is an obstacle I have to experiencing joy. Whatever it may be, write it down and put it on your dresser Put it on your mirror. Put it on your desk. Keep it with you. And then I want to encourage all of us again today to take five minutes every day to pray for God's joy in our lives. That we be filled with His joy. And this morning again, if you if you would like to talk to someone today, maybe this is a moment where you really feel like a conversation Some prayer would be helpful to you, important to you. There are elders who are down in the basement by the prayer room. Just go down both sets of steps, right there at the bottom of the steps. And there are people there who will listen to you, pray with you, and be God's presence to you. Let's stand as we sing together.
3: As you go, may you know the love of Christ, how deep and long, how high and wide. As you leave, may you seek to win the prize and find his death to be
2: your life. May you go.
3: Show our hope. As you leave, may you live your life with joy, the joy he gives through Jesus Christ.
0: the benediction, as dearly loved children, may you go from this place in the joy of the Lord, who is our strength. Amen.